Mighty Ape is Australia's entertainment and pop culture superstore. With everything from movies, music, games, toys, books, hobbies and more, Mighty Ape is your one-stop shop for the things that matter most. They constantly have hot deals and exclusive promos. And if you visit their website on the click-through banner on fakechef.net's homepage, then your purchase will help support Good Movie Monday. Mighty Ape, Australia's entertainment and pop culture superstore. Good morning. Good morning. that it is a good morning whether I want it or not. Please go away, let me speak for the love of God! Oh, give me land, lots of land, and the starry skies above. Don't fence me in. <laughs> this is actually the second time that we've played that song on this show. I don't know if you remember, we had David Byrne singing it a few weeks ago. I, my uh, my only real knowledge of that song comes from uh, uh, karaoke Tagawa singing it at the beginning, like karaoke style, at the beginning of Rising Sun. <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that. I actually ummed and ahed over playing that or perhaps the, the whistle theme from The Great Escape. Either way, I was going to come in swinging, mate. You couldn't, you couldn't have gone wrong with, uh, either, with either choice. So clearly there's a prison theme going on here, and we'll, we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, but first, uh, some formalities. Thanks for pressing play, everybody. Welcome to Good Movie Monday, the weekly movie show presented by FakeShemp.net, home of the nerdy cinematic ramblings. My name is Glenn Cochran, and I cannot possibly drop the soap because the soap is on the rope. And uh, my fellow inmate is Ben Helwig, who describes his own experience as ridiculous. Just ridiculous. <laughs> How's it going, mate? Yeah, it's the lack of respect, Glenn. <laughs> That's the worst thing about it. Well, no, the the other thing is that that's the worst thing about it. But after that, it's the lack of respect. So wherever you might be listening to our show from, you can also find us wherever you get podcasts from. The other platforms including iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and of course on Podbean. And you can also catch up on everything we do at goodmoviemonday.com where all of our content, including bonus videos, interviews, and giveaways, are all compiled into one nifty location. If you don't already follow us on social media, get behind all of our pages as well, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And we just launched a TikTok account, so links to all of those on our website. Ben, prison movies, mate. You ready for it? I am indeed. Uh, the reason we're doing this is because Andrew Dominic's chopper just turned 20 years old, which makes me feel fucking ancient. And <laughs> I remember seeing that movie for the first time at the cinema with vivid recollection. Mm. I think, uh, I don't know if I, I don't think I saw it. At the, I think I saw it on video. It was another one of those movies that it was in, inappropriate to put on at the video store. <laughs> so I put it on uh, and, uh, you know, had, had a whole bunch of little kids. <laughs> Yeah, quoting lines <laughs> for months after. We need to create a spin-off podcast where it's just inappropriate movies played at Ben's video store. <laughs> <laughs> I hope my old bosses never listen to this show. Of course, we had originally planned to celebrate the occasion by treating everybody to a conversation with Andrew Dominic. <laughs> However, the audio was just fucking shit. I think that guy lives at the bottom of the Mariana Trench, mate. It was awful. Yeah, I, I, I often wonder in this day and age of the Zoom meetings... How it is that people don't have <laughs> microphones, like just, especially people like Andrew Dominic, who you think would be doing a lot of press all the time. Yep. 
Oh, well. But the chat does exist, and you can read all about it at Stack Magazine, so visit their website and uh, get a load of that. But nevertheless, I thought we'd stick with the prison movie theme because it's just too fun not to. And Chopper was a phenomenal film, a brilliant excuse to talk about prison flicks. But also coming up on the show, our regular segments from Jarrett Garn, keeping you up to date with what's been released on physical media. Uh, Guillermo Troncoso brings you up to date with Screen Realm stuff. Adam Ross from Triple M has a movie recommendation of his own. And the guys from Bonehead Weekly from America will be providing their own take on this week's theme. And of course, Chloe Ritchie's period of leave is getting close to an end. And we have an excerpt from her podcast, Movie Night with the Ritchie Girls, that beggars belief. And dude, we're going to get stuck into that a little bit later. <laughs> Suffice to say, it's a banger of a show full of recommendations. So get your notepads out and get ready to jot some down. Or people can find us on Letterboxd and catch up with us, mate. What's all that about? Yeah, every every week after the show, I um, I list all the films that we talk about so that if you don't want to rewind and listen to me ramble on for 40 minutes on the briefest of synopsises, <laughs> you can just jump on the letterbox and find the movies that we discuss on the show every week. Awesome. And I, I do make sure that you're living up to your agreement there, mate. And I check it every Monday without fail. You're doing a good job, sir. <laughs> sometimes it goes up later than some days it goes up later than others but, uh... <laughs> but aside from the recommendations that we're going to be talking about on this show we also um want to as the show goes on just mention some notable titles that are worth people looking up and a couple that i want to just talk about that are never far from my mind if you say prison movie ghost of the civil dead is one of those aussie prison must-see movies midnight express is a favorite of mine and innocent man how many times on this show do i talk about innocent man with tom Selleck? you talk about it all the time yeah i do all the time and, and what do you always say there's a great scene where somebody gets stabbed <laughs> in the shitter. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but hey um what that that actually doesn't happen in Ernest goes to jail so that's another notable mention as far as i'm concerned <laughs> it's a it's a uh, ridiculous oversight on behalf of the uh, Ernest filmmakers <laughs> not to have some kind of toilet but doesn't he trying to remember is it Ernest ghost is that where he ends up he's got like a chain mail oh this movie uh, goes in all kinds of places but he's got a doppelganger a, 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 like a, a infamous bank robber that looks exactly like Ernest and swaps places with him right but isn't there one where, where I can't remember I now I can't remember if it's Ernest or not but doesn't isn't there like there is a prison comedy movie where he's in prison and when he goes to the shower he takes off his towel and he's wearing like a like a metal chastity belt type thing, so he can't. <laughs> that get, that uh, would not be Ernest. <laughs> that's not Ernest. No. <laughs> what are you trying to say, Glenn? Firstly, I love the fact that we're talking about Ernest on this prison episode. So excellent, <laughs> good on me. Uh, but secondly, in that movie, like talk about foresight. One of the gags of that movie is the fact that all the prisoners are wearing pink, bright pink fluoro jumpsuits in prison, which was just a bit of a gag at the time. But now there are prisons in America that do that. They do. And they do uh, choreographed TikToks. So, uh, <laughs> you know, the times they are a changing. Thanks for the plug, mate. TikTok, find us. Good movie Monday. <laughs> I can't believe we're doing a TikTok. Mate, wait, you wait for it. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to practice my moves. You're a TikTok star, mate. Um, are there any notable mentions you want to drop? Just a few, and then we'll move on with the show. Oh, look, there's there's so many. I mean, look, the, for me, the big classics are The Dirty Dozen, yep. The Great yep. Escape, Cool Hand Luke. Yeah. Hey, no man eat 50 eggs. It's so good. <laughs> so good, Cool Hand Luke. I'm glad, I'm glad you did that. Uh, <laughs> but then, like, even, even things that I kind of, at first, I didn't really think of as prison movies, but, of course, are things like The Last Detail. Yep. Um, and Cinderella Liberty, which are almost the same film. Uh, but then things like The Running Man. Yeah, totally. You know, I um I struggled a little bit with choosing some that 
I thought maybe it's too much of a war movie as opposed to a prison movie, or it's too much of a they're on release or they've escaped and they're not in prison because there's a lot of like Midnight Run, all that kind of stuff, like stuff where you know it takes things like fled. Yeah, totally. You're like, well, but it, it, it is a prison break. Prison is a central yeah. theme of the film, so I guess it's uh, you know, wasn't um if it's not, it's not just a physical prison, it's a prison of the wasn't mind. Wasn't fled a remake of that Sydney Portier film and Tony Curtis? <laughs> What was that one? The, yes. What was that called? Yes. I can't remember. Uh, <laughs> Damn it. But yes. Yeah, it's incredibly, um, Tony Curtis is incredibly racist in that <laughs> film. It's like, it's hard to watch now. <laughs> well, anyway, in talk, talking of uh, someone that's hard to watch, why don't we throw to Jared? <laughs> we do have more prison talk coming up, but here's the lowdown on what's coming out this week. Hey, this is Jarrett. Welcome to PE Class. Huge, huge week for home entertainment this week. So I'm going to get stuck straight into it and I'm going to kick off with Acorn Media. Now, if you haven't heard of this label before, you would be forgiven given that they typically release British ITV programs. Stuff like Murdoch Mysteries and Foils War, the kind of stuff your parents might watch and the kind of stuff your grandma's definitely watching even if she's not telling you about it, she's watching it without you. Anyway, Acorn Media owned by the same parent company that owns Shutter, which is AMC Networks, and that puts them in a prime position to be able to release some of that Shutter content on physical media, and that's exactly what they're doing this week. They're releasing four Shutter originals to Blu-ray and DVD. Those titles include Scammy, Random Acts of Violence, Tigers Are Not Afraid, and Terrified. Now, the first three of those are being released in special editions, and in the instance of Scammy, it's a huge special edition. I mean, it's got a commentary track, it's got a podcast episode, music video, uh, interview featurettes, uh, outtakes, and a behind-the-scenes gallery. This one is a recommendation from me. If you haven't seen it, I recommend checking it out. It's written, directed, and starring Josh Rubin. And if you uh, you think that name's a little familiar, that's probably because you may have heard Glenn interviewing Josh recently on the podcast about his second feature, Werewolves Within, which released in theaters, I think a month or two ago. I can't remember, somewhere between one of these lockdowns when cinemas were open briefly then moving on to disney they're releasing one of their bigger films of the year black widow on 4k blu-ray and dvd of course this is the marvel studios film starring scarlett johansson now the 4k and blu-ray include three featurettes a blooper reel and some deleted scenes and the 4k uhd has a dolby atmos track now i can't stress this enough how you need to get out and get a copy of this asap i don't care what you pay for it pay for it get it legitimately because Scarlett Johansson's going to earn some royalties from this home entertainment release and we all know that she got burnt by Disney with the fact that they released it theatrically day and date with Disney Plus Premium which meant she missed out on some potential box office back end so let's help her out by going out day one and grabbing this film at whatever price we can pay so that so Scarlett Johansson can earn a little bit more money in royalties on top of her 20 mil because uh, it's the least we can do. Let's give to Scarlett Johansson. She needs it. Let's let's make this fucking happen, people. Let's let's do this together, okay? Let's start a hashtag. Anyway, moving on to Imprint. They've got a ton of releases out this week that include The Straight Story, As Good As It Gets, Double Jeopardy, Days of Heaven, Drugstore Cowboy, and Chinese Box. I just briefly will discuss The Straight Story. Of course, it's the David Lynch film. It's probably my favorite David Lynch film, which is sort of strange as it's obviously his most linear film. 
That said though, my other favorite Lynch film is definitely The Elephant Man and that too is quite linear, even if surreal at times. Uh, in any case, this is a fantastic addition. It's coming out with an audio commentary by a film historian. It's got featurettes with the producer, editor, composer and production designer, as well as a new visual essay as well. Now the last release for the week comes courtesy of Warner and that title is The Shawshank Redemption. It's coming out in 4K UHD, that's right. Unfortunately though, Warner haven't gone and done a new Dolby Atmos mix, it's just porting over the existing DTS HD Master Audio mix, but that's fine. It was a great mix as it were, but it does have Dolby Vision video, so that's terrific. And it ports over all the legacy special features from the Blu-ray release. So as Red might say, get busy living or get busy buying. Anyway, that's it for me for this week. Until next time, stay physical. A couple of weeks ago, dude, you you weren't game enough to do a Morgan Freeman accent. I don't know if you remember. Drive Miss Daisy. Well, Jared just did one. <laughs> <laughs> and Double Jeopardy, finally out on Blu-ray. We spoke to um, director Bruce Beresford on the show a few weeks ago. And if people haven't had a chance to um, catch that episode yet, go back because it's a very funny conversation with a great man himself. And yeah, we that we, we sort of were pipped at the post and that episode dropped way before the release of the actual movie. But um, uh, big ups to the uh, company releasing Shawshank Redemption on 4K as well because, you know, nice of them to tie it in with today's episode. Yeah, well done. Well done, you. <laughs> Days of Heaven. You, you excited about that on Blu-ray? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Why not? I'll be snapping that one up. Why not? Hang on, which one? Days of Heaven. That's the that's the Michael Cimino one, yeah. 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 No, I I walked out of that the Aster. <laughs> Shit. I went to sit at the Aster, and after about two hours, I was like, "That's enough of that." <laughs> I will be snapping it up, but um, muchos gracias to Jarrett. Um, support his work by liking the Monster Pictures and Monster Fest social media pages, and uh, it really made me realize I didn't like Sam Waterston. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. Like in that, like I was just like, oh. Like he's okay. He's okay in Law and Order. So, what was the name of that movie we were trying to think of before? Uh, that's uh, the Defiant Ones. Excellent. There we go. Hang on, it's not Days of Heaven. I'm thinking of Heaven's Gate. Oh yeah. Yeah, Days of Heaven is Terrence Malick. Oh. Heaven's Gate is is Michael Cimino. <laughs> well, you know, that's I did. Not, I have not walked out of Days. Easy of Heaven. Easy to confuse. Both long winded. It is like, yeah. I mean, both both Terrence Malick and Michael Cimino are notorious for having their heads up their ass. <laughs> Uh, and letting, uh, letting that, that you know that seventies new wave go right to their heads. Maybe they can um, produce a crossover movie. Yeah, like they could. You know, <laughs> that's, that'd be great. Like the Marvel universe, <laughs> like the that kind of and you know, put all of the all of that um, you know Badland get Badlands in there and get that Taxi Driver like the Scorsese, you know, you know, put it all in there. Like have it cross time. Or. Like the uh, like the League of Gentlemen Christmas oh, movie. Oh, mate, you've just planted the seed for an upcoming episode where we will create fantasy universes. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the Norm MacDonald universe will be born. Yes. Oh, yes. I mean, I guess there's already an Adam Sandler How universe. How can I possibly go forward now that you've said that? Like, that's all I'm going to be thinking about. <laughs> Let's just change the episode topic right now. Well, you know what I think of that idea. Terrific. I wonder how many people are going to actually understand what the fuck we're talking about. None. You know, back on track, prison may be one word to you and me, but for a murderer, it's a whole sentence. Sorry, did my dad just <laughs> walk in the room? 
I'm trying to do a podcast, Dad. <laughs> if you can think of any other prison jokes along the way, feel free to just drop them. No. No. <laughs> Well, originally I was going to uh, run with a few lighter prison movies as my recommendations, uh, things like Holes and Stir Crazy on my list. and But I, I sort of thought, nah, I want to stick with the chopper theme, like something a bit more hard-edged. And in fact, all three of mine are kind of you know not far removed from chopper, uh, two of which are actually Australian. Uh, starting with my first one, I'm going to go back to 1980, a film that was, I guess, really polarizing at the time, and it's called Stir. Have you heard of this one? I have heard of it, yes. As a kid, this was a really confronting cover, a VHS cover for me. It just had Brian Brown's crazy face illuminated in red, but he stares at you with his crazy eyes. And I'm not talking like Steve Buscemi crazy eyes. I'm talking like I'm going to fuck you up crazy eyes. And that just for some reason just terrified me. I thought it was a horror film. But it is a fantastic movie based around the true story of the 1974 riots at a Bathurst um, prison. And it was written by a guy named Bob Jusen, who was a prisoner himself and wrote the script based around his own recollections. And this whole riot that happened ended up in a royal commission. But Brian Brown plays a former inmate who goes on like a current affairs style of um, current affairs program uh, to expose the corruption and all the beatings and stuff that happened inside the prison. But then shortly after that, he gets caught shoplifting and sent back to prison. And then the next six months of his sentence are just sort of, you know, harrowing because the guards that were exposed you know just exact their brutal revenge and torture on him and it's a fantastic film the dynamic is really good because the guy that played um the lead guard was max phipps you know max phipps and Mm -hmm. um in the film he sort of felt very humiliated by the exposure and he tries to reconcile with brian brown's character and and apologize and all that but the apology is completely rejected and the inmates just you know wage an uprising and the entire fucking jail gets torn to shreds and it's nasty stuff. Being released in 1980, it came along, you know, at a time when I guess there was a bit of a wave of extreme prison movies because you had Ghosts of the Civil Dead and Scum and Bad Boys and things like that. And this film just, I only saw it sort of perhaps in the last 10 years, but I can imagine at the time it would have been just really, really uncompromising. But um, yeah, highly recommend it. I think it's on Amazon Prime if you've never seen it. The director was Stephen Wallace. He went on to do Blood Oath and China Beach. So he has a little bit of a catalogue to his name. But um, that is my first recommendation. Recommendation. <laughs> recommendation. That's my first recommendation. Recommendation. That's a new word. I'm going to run with that. Yeah, put that on a t-shirt. What's your recommendation? Uh, <laughs> well, like I did go the opposite to you. I don't think I've chosen a, a serious film. And I'm going to start off super light, the exact opposite of Stir. <laughs> With uh, one that you were going to do that you actually, you sent to me and you reminded me that it was a prison film and I completely forgot about it. And I love this film. It is 2001's Green Fingers. Directed by Joel Hirschman. It it is, it's just a lovely, it's a lovely movie with some not so lovely people (laughs) doing lovely flower arranging (laughs) in prison. It's a good movie. It's a great, it's great. Like I really like it. I've watched it numerous times. It's like a fair weather. F- no, actually, it's not a fair weather friend. It's like an all. It's like a good time friend. Like you just, you know, it's like a comfort movie. Yeah. It's raining outside, yeah. and there's, you know, there's nothing on TV. You pop on Green Fingers, and you just enjoy the next ninety minutes because right. it is, it's fantastic. It stars Clive Owen uh, as a. He's an inmate in a prison who, and you find out why he's in prison as the, as the course of the movie uh, goes on, um, and he's. He's shipped to a kind of a new 
new style of prison where they really focus on rehabilitation rather than uh, confinement. And at first he's pretty kind of um, uh, against it. He just wants to do his time and be left alone and not talk to anyone. But um, as the movie goes on, it kind of, the warden kind of discovers that he has a bit of a green, a green thumb. So he sets, he sets up a prison garden and he kind of pulls in a couple of other um, inmates, including it, it, really weird Danny Dyer, who if you're a fan <laughs> yeah. of, of uh, East Enders and stuff like that, you'll, he's like a Cockney hard man in all these yeah. movies. And in this, he's like a baby. He's like a little kid who happens to knock up one of the female prison guards played by Lucy Punch, which is pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so they, then they, they end up getting some work, uh, working for Helen Mirren, uh, helping her do like on some prison outreach program. And then she kind of, and she's a famous horticulturalist. Um, and she then sponsors them to, um, to compete in the Hampton court flower show where they, <laughs> they build this great kind of prison garden. It's just a, it's just a lovely, lovely. That's film. right. So when you've, you know, you've, you've watched Kellen girls as much as you possibly could, you've got green fingers to turn to. That's right. It's part of, it's part of any essential Helen Mirren based. Marathon. That's right. It's part of the Helen Mirren universe, right? The Mirren verse. Yeah. The Mirren verse <laughs> along with red <laughs> And, Same character, uh, isn't it? Same character. She's actually working covert when she's in Green Fingers. <laughs> yeah, Age of Consent. <laughs> yeah, she's she's playing the same character. Yeah, at Caligula. All. She's, she's, that's her, her her cover for her covert hussy. Her, for her, th- <laughs> she's just undercut. It's like she's like she's like Jean Claude Van Johnson in the Amazon <laughs> series, but it's Helen Mirren. It's just her acting. Her acting is just a cover for international uh, intrigue. What's happening everybody, it's Guillermo here from ScreenRealm.com, Australia's favourite entertainment website covering all things movies and television. As always, I'm here to tell you a little bit about what we've covered on the website in the past week. Kicking off with Christopher Nolan potentially lining up his next film. The Dunkirk Dark Knight Inception Interstellar director will be focusing on another moment in World War II. As first reported by Deadline, Christopher Nolan could be looking at a film that will focus on J. Robert Oppenheimer's role in the development of the atom bomb during World War II. Now, interestingly, Christopher Nolan could be stepping away from Warner Brothers for this particular film. The last few films he's had have been under Warner Brothers. Deadline reports that major studios across town are reading the screenplay and Nolan is already speaking with them. Things between Nolan and Warner Brothers went a little sour when the studio decided that they were going to be releasing all their films in both cinemas and streaming service HBO Max throughout 2021, so this could be a result of that. Now so far there's little known about this Oppenheimer project, but Cillian Murphy, who was in Inception and Dunkirk, may be reuniting with Nolan for this one. For those that don't know, Oppenheimer was the father of the atom bomb. He was in charge of the Los Alamos laboratory where the bomb that ended World War II was developed. It's going to be interesting to see which studio picks this up. It's also going to have quite the big budget, over $100 million reportedly, so stay tuned for more on this one. Disney's new Haunted Mansion movie will be starring Lakeith Stanfield and Tiffany Haddish, and now added to the cast is Owen Wilson, and Rosario Dawson. Both Owen Wilson and Rosario Dawson already have a relationship with Disney, Wilson recently starring in the Loki series and Dawson in The Mandalorian. Disney's new Haunted Mansion movie will be directed by Justin Simien, whose credits include Dear White People and Bad Hair, with a screenplay written by Katie Dippold, whose credits include comedies The Heat, Ghostbusters and Snatched. 
And the past week also had the sad news that actor Michael Kenneth Williams sadly passed away at the age of 54. The much acclaimed actor's credits include The Wire, Boardwalk Empire, The Night of, Lovecraft Country, Bessie, Gone Baby Gone, 12 Years a Slave, Kill the Messenger, Inherent Vice, When We Rise, and so many more. An incredible talent sadly taken way too soon. And we had two reviews go up from Glenn, who's been absolutely working his ass off lately. I don't know how he does it. There must be three of him. Now, the first review of the two is The Killing of Two Lovers, an indie drama that you should really, really take note of. He gave it five stars. Five stars. It's a rare score for a film review on Screen Realm. The Killing of Two Lovers. It stars Clayne Crawford in an incredible performance as David, a husband separated from his wife and children with a promise from his wife Nikki that they will try to work through their marriage struggles. David exercises every fiber in his being to hold himself together. His mind, body and soul are consumed by only two opposing notions, desperation for reconciliation and the impulse to kill. In his review, Glenn wrote, the killing of two lovers is a gut-wrenching experience, but it's also hugely rewarding. Vivid Pictures will release the film in Melbourne, Adelaide, Perth, Hobart and Brisbane on September 16th. Sydney, we'll see. I guess it's all up in the year with lockdowns coming in and out. But if you can, catch The Killing of Two Lovers. Five stars from Glenn. Go to screen and check the complete review out. The other review from Glenn is from a film called The Old Ways and it's a horror film that's now screening on Netflix and in the US will be on digital DVD and Blu-ray on October 5th. Glenn thought that the film mostly delivered on a technical level. He wrote in his review, The Old Ways is a hit and miss affair. It ticks all the right boxes from a technical perspective and definitely deserves a look in for what it's worth. However, the script and weakness of the lead performance let it down completely. But it did get a passing score. Two and a half out of five stars. Go check out that complete review. And we have another giveaway up on the website right now. This is a big one for horror fans. To celebrate Acorn Media's Blu-ray and DVD release of four Shadow Originals, Tigers Are Not Afraid, Scare Me, Terrified, and Random Acts of Violence, which will all be available to own on September 15th. We're giving away packs with all four on Blu-ray. Go to Screen Room to check that out. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Hope everyone's doing okay out there. Catch you next week.
Gene Wilder, <laughs> a song called Crazy from one of the greatest prison comedies of all time, Stir Crazy. I love it when Gene Wilder sings in movies. Like, it's just the best. Let's get a tear. Do you remember the adventures of Sherlock Holmes's younger, smarter brother? I I haven't seen that in <laughs> like 30 years. It is hilarious. Some people argue it's the actual companion piece to Young Frankenstein, but he sings a song in that with Madeline Kahn and Marty Feldman called The Kangaroo Hop. And even if you just YouTube that one scene... It is one of the funniest scenes in history. It's great. <laughs> yes, but anyway, it goes without saying. Visit ScreenRound.com for a better squiz at what Guillermo does up there in Sydney. Some more movies I wanted to just rattle off as recommendations, but not actually discuss at length. Reform Schoolgirls, you've got to be behind that one. A hundred percent. I didn't. I was thinking about doing that, but then I thought it's actually a reform school. Yeah, I know. But it's not a prison. But yeah, but like yeah. But it's the right. same way that you know, uh, Rock and Roll High School Forever was a prison movie. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It is totally. Uh, it's and it's in the same vein as Chained Heat and Oh, mate. Cage. Do you know what always was... bothered me about Reform School Girls is that it had the most delicious theatrical poster art, and yet some of those DVD mm. releases just completely, you know, dumbed it down. Yeah, or they didn't even use it. Like the, no. the for the longest time, the US release, the DVD release was like it was a big Sybil Danning, yeah, photo, yeah, outrageous. Rather than you know, was it Pat Ast? Shaking her fist and Wendy O. Williams with that, um, <laughs> the most awesome bangs that I've ever seen in my entire life. That fringe, her fringe in that movie deserves an Oscar all on its own. Uh, and I've got to definitely give a shout out to Fortress One and Two. How can I do a prison movie without 
honourable mention there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but we, Mean Machine, we mentioned that a minute ago, um, the British version of Longest Yard. Guy Ritchie and Matthew Vaughan both produced that one. Oh, really? I didn't realise that uh, that uh, star of Catsick Blues, Matthew Vaughan. <laughs> uh, that is a gag that will never get old. No. <laughs> <laughs> but like when you look at the cast of that film, like it, it clearly could have been a Guy Ritchie movie because Danny Dyer once again and Vinnie Jones and Jason Statham, Jason Fleming. It's a Guy Ritchie movie. Mm. It is totally. And well, I actually thought, I thought it was like, it's Guy Ritchie's Porridge, the pirate, the pilot <laughs> movie of Porridge. Hey, wasn't there a Porridge movie? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's basically the pilot of Porridge was the Porridge movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> with, yeah, with all, with Godba. No, no, that's, uh, is it Godba? <laughs> that's some Kate Beckinsale's dad is the, is the other guy, the young guy. We had, well, it was Ronnie Barker, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. Ronnie Barker. It's Ronnie Barker is the main guy and, and uh, the main prison guard is the the um, fake private detective from um, Gumshoe, and he's great in Gumshoe, and he's great in Porridge. Porridge is. I wish that used to be a, like a a staple. Anytime anything got cancelled, like if the cricket got washed out, or you know they someone a horse died at the at the Melbourne Cup, and they had to quickly replace it with uh, something, it was always the po- porridge porridge movie yeah i haven't actually haven't seen it in years the contract must have run out because it used to like i think it was channel seven just used to play it almost on repeat you know i would never have pegged the prison episode to be like a nerdgasm episode but i feel like i'm nerdgasming on this one (laughs) it's just surprising that how broad how broad prison movies can be like you know from Ernest goes to prison to you know how about to this? Mr. Walters, we should, um, or I should apologize for, uh, for shooting my penis off. Yeah. Yeah. Don't sweat it, brother. I'm liberated. Totally. You know, they gave me a vagina. It's <laughs> awesome. You guys want to see it? No, 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 Eric's seen it. Eric's been all up in that shit. Isn't that right, Eric? You guys got to get me the fuck out of here. Hey, guess what? I'm Eric's bitch. No, you're not. Yes, I am. I'm your bitch. Oh my God. I'm so sorry, honey. I didn't mean that. You know that, right? I am such a bitch when Aunt Flo shows up. It bleeds so much. It's crazy. It's like the elevator doors opening on The Shining. Your vagina doesn't fucking work, man. Worked for you last night. (laughs) You're so clearly forcing Eric into this relationship. Eric, am I forcing you into anything? (laughs) See? <laughs> you know, um, there's countless videos of Norm Macdonald telling prison jokes and there's not a single one I could have used as an insert for this show. <laughs> yeah, no. It is amazing how um, a lot of uh, social, the social niceties aren't present in most prison movies. I had to go with Rob Riggle's vagina scene from 22 Jump Street, but, you know, I was watching um, Screwed the other night and we mm. talked about that recently on the show. And I mean, I forgot how great it was, but it also reminded me of just, there's nothing that Norm MacDonald does that doesn't involve rape jokes. Yeah. <laughs> and it's all about the way he says it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, would you like to lead us out of that trap and <laughs> go with your next recommendation? Well, I'll keep it in that vein, in that Norm MacDonald vein. Uh, 
And I watched it the other day and I, I did actually post about it on Instagram and I did end up having a conversation with a couple of people about it is 2007's Big Stan. Yes. Starring and directed by Rob Schneider. I remember I saw this theatrically. <laughs> I remember thinking it was great. And I, I don't think when I put it back on again, I don't think I stopped laughing for the first 40 minutes. <laughs> and it that like... It is amazing. So basically, the, the plot the plot involves uh, Rob Schneider is a uh, he's like a real estate con man who uh, gets busted uh, for fraud and sentenced to prison. But he bribes the judge. His skeezy lawyer, played by M, a fantastic uh, M. Emmett Walsh, with with one of the world's greatest toupees, <laughs> uh, bribes the judge uh, to delay his sentencing by six uh, six months. So he can, because uh, he's promised to set up some charity for kids, which they don't, they never mention again. He does not <laughs> set up the charity. Uh, so being, being the genius that he is, Rob Schneider uses the six months to uh, receive martial arts training from David Carradine. <laughs> so he can, he can uh, kick ass in prison because he knows he goes, he, he goes to a biker bar and hangs out with Dan Haggerty from grizzly adams uh and uh, to find out that what will happen to him in prison and dan haggerty basically tells him that he's just going to get non-stop raped <laughs> the entire time is <laughs> like it just, just people will just rape you just like it, it it's 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 almost hard to listen to now but the rape jokes do not stop in this in that in that in this film it is just constant rape jokes until about three quarters of the way through where rob schneider becomes king of the prison and uh and cancels all the rapes and there's a great scene it says it bans raping and there's a great scene where he's explaining it to all of the prisoners and they're all like but what if it's a child molester yeah okay if it's a child molester you can you can rape them if it's a rapist uh, yeah okay so child molesters and and rapists, and then and then then this one guy goes, "What about counterfeiters? Can you can we rape counterfeiters?" And he's like, "Hang on, you're the only counterfeiter in this prison. Are you saying you want to get raped?" And it's it's a great it's a great bit. But he also in prep to go to prison, he also gets a tattoo on his asshole that uh, would designed to turn anybody off. And he, he does all this stuff. It is, it, it is hilarious. It does, it does kind of fall flat about three quarters of the way through uh, as the political, once he really, once he bans the raping, the jokes kind of stop, <laughs> but it is, <laughs> it is, it is hilarious. He basically, he takes over the prison and, uh, and makes them, um, you know, much nicer makes them all get along much to the uh, chagrin of the warden who in a very similar manner to uh, the warden in um uh, the longest yard the, yes. the, the adam sandler longest yard which came out a couple of years before this and rob schneider does reuse a lot of a lot of cast uh he i often think that it's i'm surprised that it was chris rock in the kind of sidekick role, because that tip in an Adam Sandler movie that typically would have been Rob Schneider. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Rob, even Rob Schneider couldn't have gone away with all of the jokes 
that Chris Rock makes in The Longest Yard. So well, now you understand that. why I got confused um, all those episodes ago when I said that Sally Kirkland was in Longest Yard. She's in Big Stan. She's in Big Stan. She is indeed. Yes. yes. <laughs> well, I'm glad we've cleared that up. <laughs> it's a great cast. It's so David Carradine, Jennifer Morrison has never looked better as uh, Rob Schneider's wife in this. M.M. Orsh, as I mentioned, uh, Richard Reel uh, plays the judge. Henry Gibson is his room, is his kind of bunk mate. And I don't, I don't, honestly, I don't understand Henry Gibson. I don't understand who he is. I mean, I know who he is, but I don't know why he's in so many films. And I, I, I just don't, I don't understand. Like he's great, but who the hell is, who the fuck is he? Like, I, like, I don't, I don't get it. Anyway. Well, let, let this be an invitation to anybody listening to drop that in the comment section and just tell us. To, um, yeah, let me know. <laughs> Give me the history. I've read the Wikipedia page. I know the history, but I still don't get it. As I said, I, meant, I did mention already Dan Haggerty. Randy Couture pops up. Sally Kirkland, as you said. Richard Kind, the yeah, great yeah. Richard Kind, turns up as uh, the opposing, I think he's the opposing lawyer. Um, Kevin Gage is one of the security guards. I think he's in Longest Yard as well, like, from memory. Um, Scott Wilson is the is the um, the warden from uh, Walking Dead. And Bob Sapp, big shout out to Bob Sapp, who is also, he's the kind of the slightly <laughs> dim-witted uh, prisoner in the longest yard and in this one he's the counterfeiter who wants to get raped he's also like a giant a giant of a man um and he's he's absolutely fantastic i've only seen him in th- i think three films this longest yard and blood and bone where he's like one of the main kind of uh fighters that takes on uh, michael j white um but uh i i I, was, I think i will actually go back and uh check out the rest of the bob sap uh, filmography because he's he's really good he, he really should get more work if he if he has an eye just don't know about it excellent excellent work well i'm going to take us back to 1994 for one of the probably the most gut-wrenching and depressing prison films i've seen ever um and this one arrived as a bit of a flash in the pan with critics it got all this critical praise and, and whatnot but then it fell into absolute obscurity and i'm talking about every night every night uh, a film starring David Field as a convicted contract killer held in remand and just subjected to really vicious and grueling campaigns of brutality by the prison warden, played by Bill Hunter. And it's vile stuff. Like, it's really, really hard to watch. And not only is he you know, subjected to beatings on a routine basis, but he's you know, forced to perform really demeaning things like licking shit off toilet doors and things like that. And so, you know... It's a really hard one to sell, like you know, unless you. I was gonna say it sounds like a fun watch. I don't know what if you love me. if you love prison movies, that's one thing. But like, this is one of those ones. It's just the reality of prison type of movies. It's all shot in black and white. It's really dark and really gloomy, and the, the depravity is just like a tour de force <laughs> you know, of, of depravity. Um, <laughs> but look, it's directed by a guy called Elkinos. Um, I'm gonna butcher this. Elkinos Silimidos. <laughs> Yeah, mate, you're on you're on your own with this one. I'm just going to roll with that, but um, yeah, he also went on to direct Silent Partner and Tom White, Tom White with um, what's his name from Malcolm Colin Friels, and you know he's a fan. Which Silent Partner? Not not the Silent Partner. No, not the one you're thinking of. It's, it's yeah, Aussie okay. one, obviously. But oh. it was also um written by a guy called Ray Mooney, and he was a former 
inmate of Pentridge Prison who sort of became a playwright while he was serving time. And then when he came out, a lot of his plays got put on stage. And every night, every night was based on his own experience and witnesses of, of a friend whose um, character yeah, was played a, by a David friend. <laughs> a friend had to lick shit off a door for him. A friend. <laughs> He'd, he'd seen Stir and was like, I'm not putting myself up for this. <laughs> you can ask um, someone else. I'm just writing about it. You can ask our old mate Adam Ross because he's very good friends with Ray Mooney. So, um, you know, he, oh, there you go. probably a few stories to be told there. Um, and I think Ray actually served as one of the judges at the AFCA Awards two years ago. So there's that too. But anyway, if you've never seen it, check it out. It's hard to come by on physical media, but I think it's on YouTube just to watch for free. And it's well worth a look. It's brilliant. Harrowing stuff. Oh, and the music. The music's composed by uh, Paul Kelly. <laughs> So there's another there you go. point. Yeah. Heroin, heroin King, Paul Kelly. I've actually, I've got the tape. It was, a, I think it was re- put out by Home Show, not Home Show, Home Cinema Group. And I remember the trailer mm. being on a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Like, I think I saw that trailer more than any other trailer on Home Cinema Group uh, tapes. Well, that's why I kind of call it a flash in the pan, because I remember when it came out, there was a lot of fanfare around it. You know, David and Margaret praised it, the Herald Sun and all these newspapers put it, you know, five stars all over, you know, plastered all over their pages. And then it kind I think of back f- then it would have been the Herald and the Sun. They may have been separate pages. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And it just sort of just <laughs> fell into obscurity after that, which is a real shame. But it's definitely cut from the same cloth as Chopper. You know, the, the, the brutal prison scenes in Chopper definitely sort of, you know, resonate with this kind of film. Well, I guess, though, the brutal scenes in Chopper are because of Chopper. <laughs> like... <laughs> No, but you know what I mean. The, 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 the tone yeah. of the film, the tone of the yeah. film. If Chopper was in black and white, then some of those scenes might have been taken from this film. But yeah. anyway, um, let's let's throw to Boneheads and see how um how they approach the prison theme. Welcome to Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. We're talking prison. prison. You guys been to prison? <laughs> I mean, I walked by one. You want to go to prison? You live. Uh, in- I don't. I don't have the tin. I don't have the tin cup. You know, I gotta have the tin cup prisoner. to go. I have a copy of Ted Cups right over there. It's what that's one of the best Kevin Costner uh what's that golfing picture ever made? That may be the only Kevin Cost Costner golfing picture. What do you think? Tin cup? I don't know. I don't I really, really like what, I don't watch a lot of golf films uh, besides the obviously the criterion edition of Happy Gilmore. Well, there's so a prison movies, ton of prison movies. I'm going to go first because I had the hardest time thinking of mine and the other two can go after me. Mine's about a former boxer who's a drug runner who gets into trouble and it's written by a guy who's really conservative, but I kind of like his writing. S. Craig Zoller's Brawl and Cell Block 99 starring that is Bond, a, Jennifer Carpenter and Don Johnson. That is a great movie. It is a lot of fun. I mean, so he got caught up in the Senate state or whatever it was with the Me Too. He not, but the company crashed. I don't know if you guys remember this. They're Dallas-based. They're kind of conservative. Uh, they made some conservative films. But Brawl and Cellbrock 9, it is so much fun. It is batshit crazy. I also recommend Dragged Across Concrete and the best film he made, Bone Tomahawk with Kurt Russell. Yeah, I would recommend all three. Cell Brock. Oh, you've seen? Have you seen? I didn't know you'd seen. Uh, yeah, Drag across. Drag across. It's two and a half really, hours. It's amazing, but it's a lot of fun, right? It's two yes. and a half hours, and it doesn't end the way you kind of think it's going to. But now, brawl. I can't say it. Brawl and Cell Block ninety nine is bloody. It's gory. Doesn't really end well for anyone. And it's got Don Johnson. What else do you need? Uh, I'm gonna go next because I'm gonna do a twofer. 
Uh, one's going to be real quick. I got him. When we talk about prison movies, I got to talk about my favorite Jean Claude Van Damme film, and that being Death Warrant. <laughs> what? Movie Not made. Time Cop. Okay. Other than Time Cop, I keep time forgetting Cop's Time a Cop. Good one. <laughs> time Cop is my favorite Jean Claude Van Damme movie. Close second, Death Warrant. Uh, but no, I do want to spend some time talking about actually my favorite prison movie, Murder in the First, starring Kevin Bacon, Christian Slater. It is a true Gary Oldman, for God's sake, as the warden of Alcatraz. It is a phenomenal film. And Kevin Bacon is truly it, it shows all of his talents as an actor in that film. Uh, if you haven't seen it, it's about this 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 kid who goes to Alcatraz by by, uh, by accident. For a crime that should have just put him in jail for a couple of a couple of months, and it, it's the grueling torture he goes through years in solitary confinement in Alcatraz. Highly recommend watching it if you haven't seen it. Murder in the First. James Go. There are so many great prison movies or movies about people being in prison. At least I love The Great Escape. I love Cool Hand Luke, Papillon, but I want to talk about one that doesn't get much attention because it didn't do great at the box office. So I think it now has a Criterion edition, and that would be directed by the great Steve Buscemi, Animal Factory. If you've not seen Animal Factory, it is a great Six Degrees of Separation film because it has William Dafoe, Edward Furlong, Danny Trejo. Mickey Rourke, John Hurd, Tom Arnold, but it is about a, they use the term slight. He is a small, uh, he's 18 years old. He gets sent to prison for marijuana possession and he's taken under the wings of a 18 year prison veteran who tries to protect him and guard him and things like that. So if you've never seen Animal Factory, the top billing is Edward Furlong and William Dafoe, but it has all these actors in it. And much like Great Escape, the prison films tend to have these great casts and this is one that does. So if you've never seen Animal Factory, again, directed by Steve Buscemi, his sophomore directing effort, check out Animal Factory. This has been Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. Feel free to go to prison with us anytime. I don't want to go to prison. I'm too pretty. You're going to jail! Hey, Ben, do you know the Boneheads recently celebrated 200 episodes? So big congrats to them. And, and congratulations to them for managing to tie in prison movies with Kevin Costner's Tin Cup. Yeah. I, <laughs> that was great. And I was... I keep thinking about the conversations that we've had on the internet about uh, how uh, Fandango is the only great Kevin Costner <laughs> movie, and which I found outrageous. And because Tin Cup, Field of Dreams, <laughs> Tin Cup, Tin Cup is one of them. It's a, it's a fantastic movie, and the chemistry between him and Rene Russo <laughs> is almost almost as crackling as the chemistry between Rene Russo and Tom Berenger in uh, Major League. <laughs> It is. Uh, it is one of my. Tin Cup is one of my favorite sports movies, and it's my kind of sport because you just you just you hit a tiny ball in a little hole, and then you're riding a cart. <laughs> you know, almost no physical. There's no physical part of it. Kevin Costner wears his baseball cap backwards almost as good as I do, mate. Well, he's you know he's he's a cool dude in that <laughs> film, and he's uh, you know Don Johnson, Don Johnson, who they who you know as they mentioned was in uh, Ride in. Uh, brawl in cell block 99 he's all he's the he's the villain in tin cup little tie-in <laughs> well done yeah that was that's actually i think that's one of my favorite bonehead segments i enjoyed all the films that they talked mm -hmm. about and i actually i want to watch them all again yeah but they they certainly didn't heap shit on you though like i, I missed that <laughs> yeah i'm kind of i'm just a bit sad about that uh, <laughs> I, look forward, I look forward to the constant shit giving you can lick it off the door later 
Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. We made earlier. But thank you to those guys. Um, it's, it's great to have them on the show every week. We are grateful to them for what they do. So do check them out on all the uh, podcast platforms and, and go to their YouTube page because their show is presented in video form as well. But all right, mate, next recommendation. You can uh, you can take the stage with this one. All right. Uh, my last film of the morning. <laughs> That's what it is. Unless people are listening to it in the evening. <laughs> the evening. Uh, is a made-for-TV movie called Time Served from 1999. Now, anyone who's listened to, to me on this show over the last year or so will know that I love movies where women go, where like women cops go undercover as strippers <laughs> or uh, yeah, anything kind of weird and sleazy like that. And this film is the prison version of that. Uh <laughs> Directed by Glenn uh, Petrie, who has written another couple of movies. I think they're mainly made for TV stuff. Um, and starring Catherine Oxenberg, who I didn't realize. I just thought she was like from Dynasty and Lair of the White Worm. And, you know, and her daughter was caught up in that Nexium <laughs> thing. But she's actually the daughter of like Her Royal Highness Princess Elizabeth of Yugoslavia, <laughs> which I didn't even know Yugoslavia had a royal family. I thought, didn't, didn't that... <laughs> World War One had something to do with them getting bumped off, or uh, like Archduke Ferdinand. Like, wasn't do you, there, do you get? Do you get something? to keep the crown, though? That's yeah. the question. Oh, I don't know. And I don't. She doesn't seem to be referred to as. I mean, I thought if you're the daughter of a princess, then you are also a princess. Well, you know, yeah, I thought that's but how. Like, it works. So she should be princess I mean, Catherine they're presidents for life, so I, I would imagine they're princesses for life. But wouldn't they have to be credited as princess? Yeah, that's. And that, <laughs> when I looked her up on on IMDb, we're totally getting way off the, the topic of this film. But when I looked her up on IMDb, her nickname, because for a while she was married to she for a long time she was married to Casper Van Dien, and they've had gotcha. two kids together. They're no longer together, but her nicknames were uh, Princess. Like it's not a nickname if that's your actual <laughs> title, and uh, you know Casper's love. <laughs> um, that's uh, I mean, does Casper call her that? Is that what he was? Is that what he? <laughs> Oh my god! Like a Casper's girlfriend. I don't know. It's a weird. It was a weird, you know, bonus bit of trivia on her IMDb page. <laughs> but um, so basically, it's it's Catherine Oxenberg. Catherine Oxenberg uh, gets uh, sentenced to prison when her son, uh, her her infant son, shoots uh, her abusive husband and kills him, and she takes the rap. She and there's a couple of admittedly. There are a couple of logic holes in this film, but we'll just we'll just let those go. We'll glaze over those. But uh, she gets she gets uh, arrested. She gets arrested for uh, she takes the rap for her her infant son because she does I don't, she doesn't want him to get in trouble. He's like a little kid. He's not going to get in trouble. <laughs> it's so silly. Uh, she uh, and James James Handy, who is great, he's the judge. And he sentences her to, uh, I think, uh, something like a 20-year sentence, like a really long prison sentence. Little does she know that the prison that she's being sent to is run by uh, Louise Fletcher, a.k.a. Nurse Ratchet. Uh, and she has a deal with Bo Hopkins, the local proprietor of Strip Club, that all the hot prison inmates will work on a like day release or night release as the case may be as strippers in his strip club <laughs> for free. It is, a, <laughs> that is the plot of this movie. And I will have to say 
it, and it, it look it is definitely worth the watch there's a lot more rape <laughs> and a lot more nudity than i was expecting from a tv movie yet also a lot less nudity than i'm expecting about it from a movie about women who pr women prisoners who become strippers who go undercover as strippers it's a it's a very it's a very odd it's a very odd film but definitely worth checking out this um the director glenn petrie had directed a movie prior to this called balazar the cajun and that is an absolutely fantastic movie it has robert duvall and uh, amanda sante and will Patton and someone else i can't remember i think stephen mccaddy is that the guy from that's the guy from um oh what was it? yeah the yeah you know the one he's the from come to, he's in come to daddy yeah that's the one that's and, the one and, uh, and pontypool excellent humanity that great monster pictures release exit humanity <laughs> anyway like this guy that directed the the film you're talking about he's a good director like i don't know why this guy didn't really sort of you know take off in a bigger way i think he's only done like he only done like three or four films yeah um, and i think he only directed one or two or like two of them and he wrote yeah he wrote a couple he didn't write this one he didn't write time served uh and that i think is, is obvious <laughs> like there's like some of the some of the potholes well, are uh amazing but it is definitely worth checking out i don't know if it's on youtube um let people explore it. it for themselves they can find it on our our letterbox page and click the link and just go down that rabbit hole um tidy work mate and rather than jumping straight into my next one let's just take five and have a listen to chloe for a moment uh who is nearing the end of her leave and this is a snippet from the podcast that she does and i think this might require a little bit of addressing um on the other side i'm not saying there was anything wrong with it but I, I'm not going to give it a perfect score, but I'm going to give it a near perfect score. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that's good. Yep. Um, I give it 1 million stars. <laughs> um, 1.1 1. 1 maybe even. Yeah. 1.1 1. 1 million stars. Far cry from, um, five stars, Chloe. Yeah, I know. It's my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> a million and one stars. Of all time. I finished the movie. And I could have gone back and just gone straight back into it and watched it again. The only thing that I probably would have given it a perfect score had it not been I've made those connections to Goonies. That's the only... I still don't understand that, but fine. Watch it again. Fine. No, I'm not. And no. look at it from that... I don't want to look... No, because you're just going to ruin it for me. Oh, I'm not doing God. that. I'm going to have to wait another Gosh. 10 years so I don't remember what you said about it. <laughs> Relating to Goonies. And then I'll go back and watch it again. Okay. Yes, anyway. All right, so we we discussed, actually, what our next movie was going to be. I just thought of another one just then when I said, gosh, damn. Oh. I'm thinking, <laughs> what? Joe Dirte. Oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> David Spade, I love you. Oh, that's I love a that movie. big fat no. <laughs> that's the best movie. It is not. It's it so is good. a horrid it's movie. Funny, funny, funny. Jesus. Anyway. Um, anyway, so it was my turn to choose. Yes. And I couldn't choose. I just couldn't pick. I had three in my brain that I just couldn't choose from. So I put it to you and you yes. gave me your opinion. Yes. And we narrowed it down that way. Yes. Because so, your mother's always right. Correct? I, I don't <laughs> think so. Um, should I find the message as to what you said to me when you gave me the, the three options? Sure. I can tell you what it said. What I remember. Well, I gave the options of Princess Bride, yes. The Outsiders, or Billy Elliot. Yes. And you said not Princess Bride because, because we've done too many comedies. But I don't see Princess Bride as a comedy. Princess Bride is not a comedy. Well, it's like a 
comedic it's drama. It's got some sort of comedy to it. It is not a comedy. Well, I so I think you're very wrong in, from that aspect. Oh, whatever. But I think you were right from the aspect of not choosing the outsiders also because that is quite close to Stand By Me. Yeah. So we're watching Billy Elliot. Billy Elliot. Also the name of my late puppy. Yes, we that's named, right. We named her Billy. Yes. And my last name's Elliot. So. <laughs> Out fucking rageous. <laughs> Outrageous, Ben. Firstly, don't be dissing on Joe Dirt. How can you how can you hate a movie about a giant shitberg <laughs> and and David Spade? Man, I am beginning like seriously, I'm beginning to question Chloe's devotion to Saturday Night Live. Like she says she's the biggest fan, and she's pissing on all the fucking SNL movies. Next thing you know, she's going to come out and say that Corky Romano is in a classic. Oh God, probably would. <laughs> Ridiculous. I mean, seriously, life's a garden. Dig it. <laughs> It's fantastic. But, like, seriously, let's back up the truck for a second, dude. What planet are we on where Princess Bride is not a comedy? I don't know. I don't think that word means what you think it means. <laughs> uh, like, it is definitely a comedy. Inconceivable! Yeah. <laughs> it is, like, I mean, the, every every fibre of this movie to me is comedy. Like, it's in fact, it's a parody in a slapstick. Yeah. I mean, you've got, your, you've got Rob Reiner, Christopher Guest, Billy Crystal, Carol Kane, Peter Cook. Like, what about this is not a fucking comedy? Yeah. <laughs> like it, it can be more than it can be more than a comedy, but it, at its core, it is a comedy. Anyway, um, triggered, and that was a lot to unpack. Uh, <laughs> it totally is. He falls like he, he does pratfalls. <laughs> like he does pratfalls down down the hill and stuff. Like it's all right. So let me move on to my recommendation, just to drag things back down again. It's a two thousand and. 13 film called Starred Up, which I know Adam was quite pissed off that I, I took this one. But, you know, in fairness, last week he mentioned it in his segment. So I think it's fair game. But um, this is also one of the more uncompromising and unflinching prison movies that I've ever seen. And the term Starred Up actually refers to like a young offender that's considered too high a risk for a juvenile prison and they're moved up into the adult prisons. And this film is about a 19-year-old who is um, transferred to a maximum security prison where his father also happens to be serving a life sentence. And the story kind of focuses on the kid's, in, in, the kid's transition, I guess you could call it, and the struggles he has adapting into this new you know, adult world. Um, and it's very, he's very violent and volatile and being young, um, he's resisting the system and the crux of the story then shifts between the father son relationship with the, the father played by Ben Mendelsohn being overprotective, but also not a very smart man. You know, I mean, there's a reason he's been in prison almost his entire life. Um, and then, you know, he eventually becomes jealous of his son who starts to make more connections within the system than what he did. And it's just a really fantastic dynamic. And Jack O'Connell, the guy that played the lead in um, Unbroken, plays the lead here as Daniel. And he's terrifying. Like, I've never seen a, a performance like this. He just feels like he's possessed. And, and watching him get triggered is almost schizophrenic. I actually thought for a second you said Jerry O'Connell. Oh, did I? And I thought that's this would no, no, you didn't. I thought for a second, you know, like that's a this is a change of pace from uh, <laughs> yeah, bringing the Rob Reiner factor in from sliders Jerry O'Connell. <laughs> but um, look, Ben Mendelsohn too in this one as the father Neville is um, oh, look, it's this is a transformation of him as well, and it just I was watching it thinking, geez, how far removed can he be in this from Danny Clark from The Big Steel? Like, this is an actor that's really not only transformed his career, but just as a performer, 
you know, he's just so versatile. And this, I think, is one of his best performances. Rupert Friend is also in it, plays a counsellor who sort of goes against the system to help rehabilitate some of the more hardened criminals. And the director was David McKenzie, who went on to direct the highly regarded Hell or High Water, as well as Outlaw King. And I don't know, he just he just taps into the prison stuff with realism here. And, um, and once again, the prison scenes, I think, uh, you know, the stuff that, aligns very nicely with the prison scenes from Chopper or even Bronson. Bronson's another great one that you'd compare this to. Um, and what sort of strikes me about this one is that there's no music or anything like that. It's just pure realism. There's no score or anything like that. It's just hollow echo sounds of clanking doors and and echoes of prisoners screaming at each other. And, and yeah, it's fantastic. But um, there we go. So that is my recommendation. It's highly worth it. Have you seen it? Start up. It's it's as R rated as prison movies can possibly get. No, no. I generally try not to watch any uh, movies that are too serious. Uh, as a rule, I'm trying to make a joke out of that, and I failed miserably. <laughs> but, uh, you prefer the comical ass rapings of Big Stan and and um, Dirty Work. And yet, I I watched Death of Stalin, and I was like, this is outrageous that this is a comedy. This guy's a genocidal maniac. <laughs> how is this funny but as i said um adam was a little bit you know peeved that i got to do this one and he didn't but um he's gone for something completely unexpected given the circumstances so here he is hey guys it's adam here from adam's just seen and triple m with another good movie monday recommendation this week we are doing one of my favorite cinematic subgenres, the prison movie and i'm going to go a bit left of field with my choice here and i am going to nominate I Love You, Philip Morris. Now, I Love You, Philip Morris is my favorite prison movie. Yes, even more so than The Shawshank Redemption. And the reason why I love this movie is there's a lot of reasons that I'm about to get into. But number one is that the writers and directors here, John Riqua and Glenn Ficarra, were on my radar for creating a film called Bad Santa. Now, Bad Santa made me laugh so hard and I just couldn't believe the balance that these boys could achieve between pure old comedy and the film is filthy, and I Love You, Philip Morris is utterly filthy as well, but just this giant, swollen, sweet heart at the centre of the movie. The way that these guys balance that stuff, I borderline never saw in cinema. So when I saw I Love You, Philip Morris in 2010, it just knocked me for six, and it absolutely was neck and neck with The Social Network as my absolute favourite film of that year. We have come a long way cinematically since this film was released, and it's funny to think that this is a movie, uh, despite how successful it is in almost every single metric, was kind of buried by the studio. Um, Jim Carrey here is swinging for the fences. Um, we all know that when Carrey wants to go into the serious vein that he is one of the best thespians of our age. And here, I think that his performance as Stephen J. Russell, a real guy who has probably broken out, <laughs> he's a bit, well, he's a better escape artist than even Houdini himself. His performance here as Stephen J. Russell is incredible. I mean, he is vulnerable, he is romantic, he is conniving. And watching him do these plans to break in or out of prison to get to his lover, played here with incredible vulnerability and sweetness as well by Ewan McGregor, the titular Philip Morris. It's just incredible to watch him do that and to watch these guys together. I mean, the supporting cast here as well is incredible. Leslie Mann, Rodrigo Santoro. I mean, but this movie is big and gay and funny. And I think too as well that there is, you know, a lot of fear about authorship at the moment in cinema that, you know, in order to tell this story, do you have to have this lived experience? So there is kind of, there's an edge to this film and an edge to the humour and the jokes that they do. But 
as I said at the start, I mean, this movie has got such a sweet heart. It's hard to pick apart and have a go because this is a very, this movie says that love comes in an enormous amount of forms. And this is, you know, one of, I think, honestly, one of the most romantic movies that's ever been made, despite the fact it's set in maximum security prison and features prison bashings and everything else that could go on. So if you've managed to miss this, um, and there's a really high likelihood that you have, I mean, I think that this is absolute top tier Kerry, I think that, you know, yeah, as I said, one of the most romantic films, but just to as well, the movie seems utterly ridiculous in terms of how far these plots go. But if you are to read up on the real Stephen J. Russell in real life, there is shit that is cut from this narrative film that didn't make it that's even more preposterous. So like, if you find out where he really is now and what he really did, that is definitely like a excellent deep dive that you can do after you watch this film. So I love you, Philip Morris. Absolutely five stars. Check it out at your earliest convenience. I was not a fan of that movie. It really rubbed me the wrong way. Well, I loved it. I thought it was great. Yeah, everyone tells me that. I didn't I didn't see it when it came out. Like I didn't, uh, like it was years and years after it was released that I saw a kind of a friend was like, yeah, I'm just going to put this on. I was like, all right. <laughs> I suppose it's, it's an hour and a half. How bad can it be? I can, if I can, I can sit through, uh, you know, days of heaven, then I can sit through, uh, I love you, Philip Morris. And I was captivated. It's no heaven's gate, mate. It's no, <laughs> no, it's no lights out, Glenn. It's no lights out. <laughs> you know, I think Adam does put forward a pretty strong defense. So I'm going to have to revisit it, but it, yeah, just never really, never landed for me. But anyway, Adam, thank you very much, mate. Do appreciate it. As you know, everybody look him up. Uh, Adam is on Adam's Just Seen Facebook page. And here lies the arse end of the show. Uh, some other films that... In the prison parlance. <laughs> some other films that deserve a nod. Um, I actually really like Life with Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence. Did you? Really? Did you like that? I don't know. There's, there's so much... I, I guess it's a, it's a collection of really good moments. Maybe the film's not great, but I think there's a lot of really good moments. You can probably find them all on YouTube individually. <laughs> Yeah, I may have to I may have to go back and watch it because I was not a fan, but then I it was one of those it was again a movie that I played at the video store <laughs> and I just I never paid attention. I didn't really pay that much attention to it. Save it for the cycle show, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, I love Eddie Murphy. I've never been a big fan of Martin Lawrence. Yeah, me too. Me too, I must admit. But I I, I feel like Eddie Murphy carried that movie, but some others that are less comical are In the Name of the Father is a good one. The Raid 2. Pap mm -hmm. Papillon's always been a good one. I like that. And um, did you watch the remake of Papillon? I didn't. I couldn't bring myself to. I love the original yeah. so much. And I've, I've like, I read the, I watched the movie and then I read the book, mm. which is a, the thick motherfucker of a book <laughs> and a fantastic, fantastic read. Um, But you can't, it's, it's another one of those. You don't want to, you want to watch the movie, then read the book because doing it the other way around will get you upset. <laughs> but, uh... And there's um there's another one that I want to mention that's kind of closely aligned, I guess, to Greenfingers, and it's one an Australian one called Healing, about the the guy that's in the rehabilitation program where he befriends a, an injured hawk, and right. yeah, and it's just a beautiful film, all filmed in Melbourne up near the Hillsville area. So, yeah, that is one worth looking out for. But um, 
But anyway, a um, little bit of a whip around to thank the members of the show, uh, Jared, Guillermo, Adam, Joe, Chad, and James, and a big shout out to Chloe. Hope she hurries back. And special thanks to Tia, who spins her magic behind the scenes. Big ups too, must be said, to Samantha Housen, who does join us on just about every one of our midweek videos, uh, as well as guesting on the show from time to time. So thanks to her. Big thanks to you, Ben. My big Ben. <laughs> my little prison bitch. You're more than welcome. Ridiculous. <laughs> just ridiculous. <laughs> The lack of respect. It's a lack of respect I have for you, Glenn. I must admit, though, it feels pretty respectful, mate. It does feel pretty respectful. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yes, yeah, so as we said earlier, if you do have a short attention span, then we have a TikTok account now. So go and find us on there because they are very short grabs from the show. And um, do look for us. Good Movie Monday. It's the app, you know, TikTok. It's a thing they're doing, mate. The kids are loving it. I don't understand it. <laughs> I don't understand it at all. You just be funny. I'll take care of the rest. Excellent. Old man has no idea. Well, look, when this show finishes, I'm going to do a couple of vines and then, uh, <laughs> and then come back. Uh, anyway, hey, next week, Ben, we're excited. We've got Neil Blomkamp as our guest on the show, the guy behind District 9 and Chappie, and he has a new film coming out called Demonic. So everybody listening, come back next Monday to hear all about that. Hang on, didn't you, didn't you go to high school with somebody called Neil Blomkamp? <laughs> Am I remembering that? Jeez, uh, that's... Uh... That's traveling well, that joke. <laughs> it's not a joke, it's true. <laughs> it's true, you went to high school with Neil Blomkamp. <laughs> Whereas I, I'm not ramming it down people's throats like you are now. You've overtaken yeah. me, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just pick up these names I've dropped. <laughs> but um, I'm going to leave everybody with a song called Rolling Rumbling, which is uh, by R.L. Burnside from the movie Get Hard. <laughs> There's a funny movie. Have a great week, everyone. See you next time.
It does make me want to watch Wedlocked again. That's yeah. we didn't talk about that on prison movies. Holy uh, shit. What a fantastic prison movie Wedlocked is. Fucking oath it is. Damn it. Damn. It's like Fortress in our time. In fact, I couldn't I always thought that one of one was a ripoff of the other. Because one had the intestinators and the other had the had the, the wedlock band. Which came first? Running man. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Wedlock is 1991. Wedlock would have been like 93, 94. And Fortress. Fortress is 92. Oh. That was the year later. Okay. And uh, Running Man, Running Man, didn't they all, they were all connected to the one thing. There wasn't just one partner at the, at the, um in the prison at the start. They all wear those the bands that if they cross the barrier, then their heads explode, but they weren't, yep. you didn't have a partner who's, and if they get more than 50 meters apart, their heads explode, but they're not told who the other person is. So they have to, they yeah, don't close need proximity prison yeah. walls or anything like that because they have to. Um, and Rutger Hauer is sent to prison, but he's a, I think he's a bank, he's a bank robber or a thief of some kind and he's hidden money somewhere. So, there's a lot of people want him to kind of break free to and find the and, money so they can take it away from him. 